Welcome. Um, again, if you're here for the first time visiting or a guest, great to have you with us here at St. Nick's. Uh, my name's Toby. I'm the vicar of this church. Uh, we are an old church building, a new congregation we planted four years ago, almost to the day, and it's so exciting to be launching Concord, as uh, we were mentioning earlier. Uh, and we hopefully will get to know you. Uh, it can be a little bit of a big crowd. The best thing to do, is, as Josh uh, was saying earlier, is to plug in one of our little communities, come to the pub afterwards. We'd love to get to know you. So I don't know how your week has been. Um, my week has been a strange one. On Thursday, we were launching Concord. And uh, we were having a, a civic gathering, all the great and the good of Bristol. And uh, we then heard of the Queen's death uh, just as we were about to begin. And there were questions and marks about whether we should proceed or not. Uh, but we decided to go carry on. And uh, we had a man there called Richard Pendlebury, who is um, part of the uh, Lieutenant of Bristol's community, which is basically the representatives of the Queen in Bristol. And he was asked to say a few words. And he said something really interesting. He said, uh, I know the Queen. Uh, I knew her very well. And I'm obviously devastated. But of all the places I'd like to be tonight, it's here. And that's where she would want me to be as well, because of her faith in Jesus Christ and her passion for the church. And uh, I found that hugely moving, but also hugely encouraging, that we are in the place where she would have wanted to be in church. She went every single Sunday. And uh, our family, we've got um, a son called Barney, who's four, just started school this week. Uh, we've got a daughter called Emma. And um, Barney, Barney's favorite song from the age of two was We Will Rock You by Queen. Uh, he loved particularly stamping. He's always loved stamping, uh, sometimes with a tantrum. But we've channeled that tantrum towards this song. And uh, he loved the song. And his favorite character growing up uh, has been Paddington Bear. And can you imagine on the Queen's Platinum Jubilee how he felt as he watched the Queen have tea with Paddington Bear and then begin to tap her cup. He couldn't believe it. It was like all his Christmases had come at once. They began to sing, We Will Rock You. And there's all sorts of images of the Queen that I've enjoyed looking at. And I've read so much this week, I don't know about you, about her life. But it's that image for me that I will remember. Her love uh, for people. And I have been thinking about uh, her, her service, as we mentioned, her faith. And how do we react to the death of someone? Well, St. Paul says this in, in Thessalonians. He says, brothers and sisters, writing to Christians in, in Greece, Thessalonica, he says, brothers and sisters, do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep, who have died in him. He says, yes, grieve, of course. But we grieve with hope that there is more to life than what we see in front of us. Jesus, the same thing, where his best friend died, uh, Lazarus, and it says Jesus wept. In fact, the word in Greek is he sobbed because he'd lost his friend. It's very appropriate for us to mourn, to lose, when we lose someone, to be sad. 
And yet moments later, Jesus said these words, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. If anyone believed in Jesus, it was the queen. And she followed him her entire life. She repeatedly spoke about the importance of her faith. She was unashamed to talk about Jesus. And she won the respect of many people who didn't share her faith. Maybe you're here and you don't share that faith. You're so welcome. But she earned the respect of those who didn't share her faith by living out her faith in her love towards humanity, her respect for people, her service of others. And she was also head of the Church of England. In effect, she was my boss. My new boss is the king, King Charles III. And I can't help thinking that she would have appreciated this gathering of young people. She was passionate about young people. And so today, what I want to do is, well, I want to talk, we were going to talk about this anyway, a little bit about the church. She was head of it. She was passionate about it. Why the church? What's the point of this thing called the church? And we're going to look at that over the next three weeks. Well, I want to suggest to you that the church is two things that seem almost completely opposite. The church is gathered and it is scattered. It is both gathered and scattered. And it's not somewhere between the two, scattered and gathered. It's both of those things at the same time. How can that work? Well, let's look at these two together. Firstly, the church is gathered. Now, post-pandemic, I went to um, a, a gig last night. Tim Key, he's a comedian. And uh, in fact, uh, at the, the gig was at 8 o'clock. At 7.45, my wife and I were sitting down, relaxing after having put the kids to bed. And we scrolled through what we were doing the next week and suddenly realized we were supposed to be at this gig in 10 minutes. So I ran around next door and I said to someone, we're supposed to be at a gig in 10 minutes. Would you mind babysitting? They said, yes, we'd love to come and babysit. So we didn't tell the children. In fact, we still haven't told them. We will never tell them. Please never tell them. <laughs> but we, we uh, hopped in a cab. We went down there. We got there in time. We had a fantastic time. Uh, but what the comedian Tim Key was focusing on was the pandemic. And it suddenly brought back all these memories of the pandemic. And I think coming out of the pandemic, I don't know how you found the idea of church and community, but it was hard. We had online church, had loads of resources, but I think some of the thinking after the pandemic goes like this. Over the last couple of years, I haven't really been to church and I haven't really missed it. I've found other ways of doing this thing. I've found great online resources. I can listen to a podcast anytime. I can download a service. I can listen to Spotify worship playlists. I can do all these things. And the question is, well, what's the point of church if I can do all those things? It's a very good question. Well, there are lots of different answers to that question. I want to have a look at a passage in Acts that talks a little bit about what the church looked like in the very early days after Jesus' death and resurrection. It's in uh, Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47. So we're just going to read through that. You can look at it on your phone if you'd like to. It'll also come up on the screen. Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. They, this is the disciples in Jerusalem, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Why do you need to be part of not just the Christian faith, but the Christian community that is the church? What's the point? Well, I think this is the strongest argument. That Christians need to be and should be defined beyond any other group in the whole of society by their radical love. Love for one another. That's what the church was known for in the early days. That's what Jesus is the supreme example of. So we should be known for love. And a lot of us are into self-improvement. There's nothing wrong with that. And you might say, I'd love to be the most loving person. Well, that is a fantastic thing to want to be. But you know what? You can't grow in love on your own. It's impossible. You cannot self-improve yourself into a more loving person on your own. It only happens through loving people, through practicing. Practicing loving people, people who are similar to you, but also people who are different from you. I love that idea that the early disciples sold all their possessions and gave it to anyone in the community who needed it. What a radical way of living. And the goal of our life is to become more like Jesus. And as we do that in community, so we begin to change. And I have personally never experienced anything as amazing as the love I've received in the church. I've been, I'm part of all sorts of different communities. Um, I'm part of the uh, Liverpool Football Club Supporters Club. Um, I don't receive quite the same love that I've received in the church. I'm a part of a wonderful neighborhood. Our streets are amazing. There's a great WhatsApp group, which my wife forced me to join recently. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on on that with lots of memes. Love those memes. But I've never experienced on my street what I've experienced in the church. And actually, I don't know if you had this experience, but we, we've had quite a hard time over the last few months. We've had health problems. Uh, over the summer, we had um, Emma, our one-year-old, got chicken pox, and then Barney got chicken pox, and then Jill never had it as a kid. She got chicken pox, had it in a row, then we had an infection, uh, we had colds, we've had challenges with mental health, we've had all sorts of stuff. And it's been really hard, one of the hardest times in our family's life. But you know what's been amazing is the church. This church, you, this community has been amazing. The number of messages we've received the prayers that have been prayed, the meals that have been offered. It is amazing. And that's brought us through. That is the radical nature of the church. And we can't do it on our own. There's something important about gathering. Did you notice in the passage that we read? It said, verse 42, they devoted themselves to fellowship. Fellowship being together with one another. Verse 44, all the believers were together. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. Couldn't be more clear. The church is not an individual thing. 
it's a community thing we do together. We need one another to become more like Jesus. In fact, in the original Greek word, ecclesia, from which we get the word church, we think of church buildings, but actually means just gathering. It's a gathering of people. And did you notice how, where they met? It said they met together in the temple courts. Every day, actually. This was a public gathering. And I think one of the most exciting things is to be hearing the church bells across this country ringing. People in churches. It's like a public demonstration of the Christian faith that the, the Queen held. And uh, you may have even heard the declaration of the new king. Starts with God. This is a public declaration of faith. And that's what the early disciples did. And that's why this building is so important. The building's not important in itself. But I love walking across Bristol Bridge from the south, South Bristol, and walking over the bridge and seeing the spire. You can see it all the way from coming from the train station. It's a public symbol of a faith that we all share. It's so important that we gather together and demonstrate that faith. And, and yet they also met in their homes. That's why we, I'm passionate about hubs and homes. Because hubs and homes are chances for us to get to know one another, to encourage one another, maybe to get to know people we did, wouldn't normally come across. In fact, church is the place where I come across so many people that in normal life I would never normally meet. It is such a privilege. All walks of life, backgrounds, uh, races, genders, all backgrounds all united together. So that's a great place for us to be. So, how can you take a step towards being gathered with others? What does it look like for you? Maybe the first step is just to go to the pub tonight. Maybe it's to join the student hub or the, one of the other hubs. Maybe it's to sign up for Alpha coming up in a few weeks. Maybe it's uh, any of those things. What is it for you to become more gathered with others? So the church is radically gathered together, but it's also radically scattered. You see this at the end of this passage. It's a wonderful sort of almost utopian view of the church. It said they enjoyed the favor of all the people. People love these Christians. It was like the honeymoon period of the church, but it didn't last Four chapters later, in Acts chapter 8, it says that there was a great persecution that broke out against the church. And they were scattered. It says on the day of the great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And then verse 4. Oh, hang on. Let's, let, me just, let me just say before we jump into this. Persecution is not from God. It doesn't cause it. You may have been persecuted for your faith. That's not caused by God. You may have come through serious pain. We've been in a real pain the last few months. God does not intend for you to suffer. He's not trying to make you suffer. But God will use it. He specializes in using the pain we experience to make us more like Jesus and change us. Now, you may be going through, it may feel really difficult. It may feel really hard to believe that God is in it. But let me encourage you, God is in it with you. He will bring you through it. And what happens here is God uses the persecution of the early church to spread the message of Jesus. They were having such a great time. Why would they go anywhere else? Some of us may love gathering 
and we just think, I don't want everyone to go from this church. It's amazing. Some of us may think, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't feel like that at all about this church. Can't wait to leave. That's fine. God bless you. But actually, sometimes we feel like uh, we want to stay. But actually, there's a call always in the mission of God to go. And that's what happens here. Verse 4. Those had been scattered, preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the message there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. It seems that through this persecution, they were scattered. And as they were scattered, they began to tell people about Jesus, whoever they came across. Did you notice that little phrase, wherever they went? Not very strategic, is it? They didn't really do much market research about who was the most open people group that they were going to come across. They didn't do any surveys at all. Wherever they went, they just said, we just encountered Jesus. Wherever is your wherever. You might be thinking, well, where am I supposed to be scattered? Where you are. That's where you are. You might be thinking, what on earth am I doing in this city? Maybe just arrived. I met couple who arrived this morning and came to church and they were thinking what what am I doing here you might be in that position maybe you're a student or maybe just moved to the city and you're thinking what am I doing here God has put you here you might be thinking what am I doing in my job God has put you there what about your hall of residence or your where you're living on campus maybe you're thinking what am I God has placed you there You're, you're wherever is wherever God has called you and that is where you're supposed to be. If you work in a cafe, that's where God's called you to be scattered. If you work in an office, if you work in a hospital or a school, God has you there for a reason. Why? Because he wants to tell others about himself. He loves them. Uh, On Thursday, I mentioned the Concord launch, and one of the other people that we heard from was a guy called Nathan. Uh, And Nathan, he shared his story here before you may have heard it, but Uh, Two years ago, Nathan wasn't a Christian. He didn't go to church. Uh, And he was off work from PwC as an accountant, and he'd been off work. He was off work for nine months, signed off. And someone said to him, a friend of his, in fact, who's part of this church, sent him an email and said, Nathan, I don't know what you're planning to do in lockdown, but you might want to consider trying Alpha. So he came on the Alpha course online. And his friend said to him, look, just try one. You don't have to go back. And he tried the first one. He quite enjoyed it. He came back to the second and third. He was in, in my group. And um, we got to the bit on the, uh, where, we, where we say to people, if you'd like to invite Jesus in to your heart, to your life, you can. And he did. He prayed that prayer. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was a very strange thing to be doing on Zoom. Because uh, to see his face when, after he'd prayed was, felt like it was a different face. And at the end of it, we met together. And Nathan just said, this has been the best experience of my life. This is what he said on Thursday. He said, I met Jesus, and my life has never been the same again. His mental health has been restored. He went back to work. 
Uh, he then started to work here one day a week. He started to volunteer in, a, in a, the rework program that we ran to help people get back into work after the pandemic. Uh, he then started, uh, he became the trustee of that same organization that runs those courses. Uh, he has now just left his job at PwC uh, to work for that same organization. And he is now the treasurer of Concord Church. Two years ago, he was not in that place. That's the difference that Jesus made. And what happened? One person sent one email saying, why don't you give it a go? Wherever you are, God has people who are looking for him. And I love that the queen was a great example. She was a great example of gathering. You know, I mentioned it before. Apparently in Balmoral, she invited a different preacher or a different vicar or pastor every weekend for the six weeks that she was in Balmoral every single summer to preach to her and to her community and the household. Every time at Sandringham, she would drive herself to church. She had lots of drivers, but she'd drive herself to church. She was passionate about the church, but she was also scattered. Now, she had a very unique role, obviously, but every time she had an opportunity, she seemed to take it. The Christmas messages, if you've listened to any of them, unashamed of her faith in Jesus Christ. She wasn't preachy, but she was loving and passionate. Do you see what happens at the end of this passage, despite the persecution and the pain? It says, there's a lovely little verse that says, there was great joy in that city. God is a God of joy. He longs for us to experience joy. Joy in all its fullness. Joy, I think, that we saw in the Queen. And it's a joy that comes from knowing that you're loved. Unconditionally, wholeheartedly, continually by the creator of the universe. And he doesn't just want you to know that and experience that, or me. He wants this whole city to know it. Everywhere in Bristol, he longs to bring that joy. And so I think what he's saying to all of us, maybe saying to me, is will you take a step towards my people, to my community, to gather? But will you also take a step towards everyone else in your life? Two steps that seem to maybe be in opposite directions, but what might they look like for you? Because I think as we begin to do this, as a community, as all the churches in Bristol begin to do this more and more, we will see great joy in this city. Let's pray. In a moment, we're going to share communion, but I, I wonder whether we might just ask the Holy Spirit, each of us, to speak to us. Maybe there's one thing, one step that the Holy Spirit wants to prompt you about right now towards gathering and scattering. Maybe it's a person who might pop into your head. Just ask the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, what are you saying to me tonight?
Jesus, we thank you for your early church who were radically gathered and radically scattered. And we want to offer ourselves to you tonight. Pray, Lord, that you would show us how we can grow in love for one another and also love those who are around us. Thank you, Lord, that this isn't hard work when your spirit is involved. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us, guide us, excite us, open doors, opportunities, and help us. And we pray, Lord, that we would see, as a result, great joy in our own lives, in this community, and in the city beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.